0: God, There's Jason Derulo with Get Ugly. And welcome back to Range Anxiety, Epicast number 86. You reckon I'd be sitting here today rabbiting on about my love for Hachiroku's Toyota 86s. The original, the best, uh, the original uh, best. Our uh, Tofu delivery vehicles, I'm sure we've all seen or heard of initial D at some point in time. But no, I think. Um, my love for the 86 might uh, have to um, hold off to another epicast. But I might give a little taste of my love for the 86 at the end. The original 86 we're talking about, not the Toyota Subaru bastard child, which actually isn't a bad thing either. I, yeah, I owned one. No, I won't cut your hair. But yes, today we're talking about all things ugly. And what has struck me as being a little bit ugly in the last couple of weeks, and maybe because I'm getting old, it's definitely because I'm getting grumpy, and truly stupendously, because I'm really well, quite full of myself. Take it from me, everyone out there, from people I know, to people I've worked with, um, being a narcissist is okay, if you admit it, but maybe then you can't beat one. Anyway, all too complex for me. First things first, design in modern cars oh my god it shits me you see i jump in and out of maybe i don't know four or five different cars every day mostly modern-ish like i don't you know spend a lot of time with the hqs at work or anything like that not a huge fan i mean good looking things but sort of outside of my scope but modern-ish cars i'm talking about from 2000 and five to about 20 you just never ever know where any of the bloody switches are in them like who would design a car where buttons that you need to control the vehicle are hidden behind the steering wheel like it just makes no sense to me and then there's ford they take the cake on this with their uh fpvs around the I think it was FG or maybe even earlier era where they put a start button in them. But you still had to put the key in the ignition and turn the ignition on and then press the start button to start it. And to turn it off, you just turn the key off. Like, what the hell was with that? Was that just a start button for having the sake of having a start button? But yeah, you know, people might criticise cars that are all screen-based these days, but the more switches and knobs you can take away from a vehicle replacing it with a really clean graphical user interface it's touch screen is a much better thing you know i'll spend sometimes 30 or 40 or 50 seconds on the dyno sitting there in a car working out how to turn the traction off because you can't see the buttons are hidden so you're bending around looking under the steering wheel you're bending you know you're looking over the top you're flicking the steering wheel around then you've got to go through all the audio control buttons on the dash and eventually, buried amongst the air conditioning, you'll find the traction control button if it's not buried behind indi- the indicator stalk. Stupidity at its finest, and, uh, you know, a lot of car interior designers, uh, yeah, probably aren't worth their pay. But there you go, that's just me. I know a lot of people are intoxicated by switches because it makes them feel like they're in a jet fighter. But let me riddle you this, switch boys and girls. I guarantee you the guys and girls that fly F-18s or the latest generation of fighter jets, I'm pretty sure they don't have to like, you know, crane their head around looking for switches. I think everything's designed probably to fold a hand and Flyboy, you can probably, if you listen to these epicasts, you can probably drop me an email to DTECH, D-T-E-C-H at dot a u and tell me whether I'm right or wrong. I bet you I'm right though. You know, it's not like a, a smorgasbord of rubbish like it is with um car design so anyway hopefully it gets better i mean everyone's going for big stupid screens now you know that i mean it's all right having one screen i suppose and of course yeah yeah i know I mean, model 3's got one screen and da 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 and everything's driven off it but they have three or four screens and then a few different rotary knobs to control them like say the mucky mustang does is it doesn't make a lot of sense either but ford did get a mention earlier <laughs> for this um so yeah, we'll see what happens. But there's there's my vent. Speaking of venting, um and coming back to the ugly title of the epicast, I am seeing now more than ever in the industry um a a whole flotilla of poorly, unintelligently modified VE Commodores as they're getting cheaper and cheaper and more and more flogged out. They're falling into the hands of the people that couldn't afford them ten. 12 years ago when they were newish you know the people that kind of took care of them and the the people that didn't shop everything they did on price and listened to bunches of you know engine and tuning wizards that don't know what they're talking about so i see i've seen enough poorly modified ve commodores lately to actually maybe you know not maybe definitely question myself and question martin are you losing it or do you actually know what you're doing with these things or have you just lost the plot you know i'm struggling to make some of these cars run some of the combinations are that poor but i thought it was me yeah i thought it was me for a while until we did a ve from the ground up the other day and it was very very simple it was a manual manual six speed. Uh, For those that watch our YouTube channel, they they like that little quote. The six-speed manual, VEU, belonged to a guy from the Northern Territory, older guy, like, my age, you know, anywhere between 30 and mid-50s. And it was dead standard, and he said, boys, I want you to do, you know, a cam inlet and exhaust on it. So, okay, we went and we did uh, a Manta Di Filippo, beautiful bolt-on, fits, hangs-on exhaust system, beautiful. You know four and a half thousand dollars or so on the car or four eight or whatever they are beautiful and the inlet we chose it was a harrop over the radiator fits works beautiful there goes it you cut the yep, don't turn it off i might not start again italian electrics um so the harrop otr beautiful thing and then for a camshaft of course we use something we know gm motorsport street racer 2 beautiful cam developed by a friend of mine that's been at it for years and years so yeah that was a beautiful thing as well so we put all this together i uh came up with a mathless tune we did this car mathless i think anything ve with a uh, that's manual transmission with a reasonable size stick in it has got to be uh mathless put this thing together put my bass mathless tune in it started it up but boom ran perfect two small tweaks on the dyno we gave it back to the customer went from you know 233 kilowatts at the wheels to uh, 327 kilowatts at the wheels nearly you know well over 100 horsepower at the wheels increase uh, stuff all lost in the bottom end of torque the manners of a hummingbird whatever they might be you know just nice and drivable no nastiness or chuffing around on cold start just beautiful and all of a sudden, I got my mojo back. I thought, yeah, well, why can't they always be like this? Well, there are reasons. And the reasons are, I mean, there's a lot of shit exhaust products out there. I think last EpiCast, when I was rumbling home in the, the SR Model 3, I was talking about the Chinese headers, where you've got to remove the heat shields off the plug leads so that they push the plug lead off. Junk! Throw it in the bin. Um, inlets that just don't seal and the rubber bellows are broken all the time, junk, throw it in the bin. Inlets that don't use a name brand filter and use a $5 Wish knockoff, junk, throw it in the bin. And then some backyarder that doesn't know how to bolt any of it together or time it up and make it work to top it off, that's your icing on the cake junk throw it in the bin you get what you pay for in this game and well not just that but the difference between a good job using good parts and a shit job that will never work that's got to be done again is normally only about five to ten percent anyway it's all about the honey dicking it's all about the wizardry that the people you're speaking to that have got no bloody concept right that's what hurts you so the poor man always pays twice they say so let me get you back to grassroots here and, and, you know, back in the day when there was a tight-knit community, you know, of, of LS1 guys in the country. Some of us have graduated out of, you know, tuning Holdens or working on Holdens. Some of us have come from the Jap scene. But what brought us together is we were a small bunch and we were all really enthused about doing this aluminium Chev engine properly. So we actually used to brainstorm and share ideas and, as I've mentioned before, in um tuna wars i think it was that fantastic super popular epicast we would and still do ring each other up uh you know we've all kind of lost touch a little bit and gone off and done separate things now but i know that if i've got my you know back up against it and i've forgotten forgotten something i think i've forgotten something i can pick up the phone and ring my counterpart in melbourne sydney brisbane perth They're as good, if not better, better in some ways than me, maybe worse than others, maybe not worse at all. And I can bounce it off them and I can get an answer straight away. This is what this culture of the forums initially gave us. That doesn't exist anymore. Now you've got guys in a back shed somewhere that don't know what they're doing. Got a booger hanging out their nose and they've crowned themselves themselves the expert wizard of LS1 because they've got themselves an online catalog and they had a friend that had a VX once that managed to run on eight for about 15 minutes and they know what they're doing and they will undercut us by 100 bucks, 200 bucks. Sometimes they don't even undercut us. They just use their wizardry skills. It's called salesmanship, conmanship Um, and yeah, uh, rely on the customer wanting a package No, no, we don't do a stage one or a stage two or a stage three for a Commodore and neither does anyone else good that's a custom tuner. Sure, we can buy stage one, two, three or whatever packages for certain hardware combinations like LSAs from companies like Harrop and that's legitimate and that's cool and that's proven. But we always ice them on the top with something we've done, like we might change headers, for example, to a, a ramjet style header, stepped or, you know, we, we mix and match it ourselves to meet the customer's requirement. And that's that's why you go to a restaurant for a meal and you don't buy the pre made ones from the supermarket. If you want to buy the pre made ones from the supermarket, don't complain when you've got to microwave it and it tastes like shit. Sure, it fills the hole, but it's not as good as having something handmade for you. It, it's not a lot dearer and will give you more satisfaction over the time. You own it, and you know the equivalence of that in the eating game is you won't be sitting there spraying the bowl, which is how I'm tend to get some of these cars, and I'm about to do. We're busy enough that I can make an executive decision now of saying pretty much no more home built Commodores unless you're prepared to pay hundred and fifty dollars an hour to fix them, and even then it's not worth the disruption, the headaches. Remember the guy that brought his dad in to see me? Yeah you know, home built, not home built, this poor bugger paid. And, you know, it was a shit job. And you know, I spent a day on it the other day trying to fix it because the wizards that spec'd it just simply did it wrong. And there's nothing more I hate or that frustrates me and any good tuner will agree with me. And a lot of you that have been through this and had your pants dropped by the wizards will agree with this With the term custom grind camshaft that sends me absolutely berserk now in the good old days there was sam from sam's performance and you know he picked a few specs for cams and he mucked around with some out of out of um the us and then had some custom ground for his own application and matched a tune to them and got some epic results why because he knew what he was doing and he understood actually how a camshaft worked now of all the people i've dealt with in this industry there would be one in a hundred that understands or accepts the fact that there is more to a camshaft than the simple numbers you see on the card that comes with it oh the advertised duration the advertised lsa no no and so what happens is there's about three or four cam manufacturers. People just pick crap um, that isn't mainstream from them, uh, scrape the badge or the sticker off the box, retype the cam card themselves. or don't even supply a cam card, just in the bin because remaking it would be a little bit like effort, right? Yeah, nah. And tell you it's a custom grind. Now, more to the point, not only do these dingbats good aussie term that for my american listeners not understand how a camshaft works they then go and compound matters terribly by not understanding how to put the camshaft in application so you know i'll get some things in uh, standard automatic cars with a standard you know 9 to 1100 rpm tight torque converter in that require that have some choppy piece of shit in them that doesn't make any power, but more on that later, have some choppy piece of shit in them that has to idle at 900 to 1,000 RPM because it's just so woefully inefficient and the ramps and the loads, everything is that wrong. And its airflow characteristics are that wrong. That So the thing's just dragging against the converter the whole time. You take your foot off the brake and it, and it wants to go cruising down the road at 60 kilometres an hour. no. You've got it wrong. Oh, can't you lower the idle? Yeah, sure. Why does it idle like shit want to stall the whole time? Because it's not because the tune's wrong. It's because the camshaft is a piece of junk that shouldn't have even been in a boat or something with a 6,000 RPM stall, let alone your beloved Commodore, right? And then to make matters worse, they match it with an over-the-radiator inlet, that has an airflow meter sitting directly in line with the throttle body, like within about, you know, two, two and a half centimetres or an inch off the off the blade. So that the moment you open the throttle at all, all of the disgusting, filthy reversion that these poorly designed, camshafts have, then just goes out and bounces and belts off the airflow meter and just makes them cough and splutter. And it's like, you know, people are like, oh i'm not happy you you know not you can't my, my engine builder said you know you should be able to tune this with the map not happy mate don't think you've done a very good job it's like well get your bloody engine builder to tune it you idiot and sure enough you know i've said that a few times i'm not proud of myself for being a beauty well actually i am <laughs> this this is this is my happy cast yeah piss off um and they come back. Oh, yeah, sorry about that, mate. Can't get hold of the guy that built it now. He's uh, he's moved and he won't answer his phone to me. Can you sort it out? Sure, buddy. I've got to tune at Mathless. And I end up being friends with most of these. Well, not friends, but, you know, I, we end up getting on well in the end. But because they got honeydicked and wizarded in the first place, they don't want to listen. You know, I oh, no, I saw this on this Facebook group and I, we're being, I don't need to go over that, but... You know if you match you know a gm motorsport two street racer and a manual beautiful you can get away with a street racer two in a in a in an order if they're not that picky and don't mind a tiny bit of drag or you just go to a super stock two and you know that's going to be perfect uh, you know how to match your combinations any of them apart from something with a super stock in it because its profile is, is that nice you can get away with an airflow meter but A street racer, you really want to go mathless. And you just don't see these customers back again other than when they want to put a blower on it. You know what I mean? You don't get all of these problems that these home-built assholes uh, encourage. Now, I'm not picking on everyone. There are a lot of guys that can do some beautiful work at home. And there are some tiny, tiny workshops that are one-man bands that can do some beautiful work. But they're becoming rarer and rarer so you as a person that wants to modify your car either go to someone that's got the runs on the board that's got a good name and a bigger company or if you go to the smaller guys make sure they haven't been wiping their boogers on their overalls because that's always a dead set giveaway that there's something wrong and you know if you've got to put plastic bags over your shoes when you drop your car off and go into their workshop so you don't step in the dog shit that's on the floor that's also a dead giveaway Commodores are not witchcraft the ls engine it's a beautiful the old series of ls engine maybe than some of the six liters with the dod beep um are really good things and you can make good solid reliable a drivable power out of them there is no wizardry left anymore there is no room for honeydicking there are that many proven combinations and i mean proven i can see it and drive it Or, you know, hear about it that you don't need to risk having to do the entire job all over again to save two or three hundred bucks. And the first thing you got to do, apart from look for the booger stains, is keep away from ugly filthy camshafts that are experimental that should never be in an ls in the first place but because some wizard has dicked you into it you're prepared to slide in the front of your engine now if you're going to push it in make sure it's safe that's something your nana should have always told you Do you like that um but you know it frustrates me it's not a new platform but it's getting worse and worse and worse so we've had our, our, our and you can you can ask me anything you want you can email me questions about Cam for LSs I'll be an open book for you I don't even care if I do the work or not like I said we're that busy but if I can save you getting reamed when they slide it in I, I'm more than happy to help you you know you've got to give something back to this community when you've been around it so long like I have so there you go I've had my little rant today about dumb switches go out sit in your car and have a look at it and work out where the switches are and imagine if you'd never seen a car before and i said turn traction off yeah right you get me things don't have to be so complex and i've had my rant about camshafts you know the poor man always pays to do it twice so don't get bent over and look for the boogers listen to that beautiful bsa no, it was a Norton Commando that came past us. Now, last but not least, being episode 86, I've got to admit, I do like the original Hachiroku, the original two out of 86. There was something, yeah, overrated as hell and overpriced as hell, but there was something simplistic and honest about it. It had that venerable old 4AGE with the little analogue style, you know, EFI, half-digital, not programmable thing jammed in it. It had nice little runners. It was it was an honest little engine and it revved and it buzzed and it didn't make much in the way of power I taught, but it revved. You know, it was it was one of the first real performance accessible Japanese twin cams, and it built a, a fantastic name for itself. you know they went on to use the bloody things in Formula Atlantic you know as proper race engines and you know revved them to nine and a half thousand rpm and made two hundred and fifty horsepower out of them and you know all of this sort of thing, but it was a jolly little engine and you put that you put it in an a86 and drive that it and it's got a beautiful whippy little um uh, gear shift action, a white clutch. Fairly responsive brakes, sharp steering. You know, not the greatest of handlers, but, it, but an honest handler. Not full of tricks or stupidity. And they're such a great car because you actually drive them like you drive a chainsaw. Like you hold a chainsaw flat and you just smash it into whatever it is got to do. And it's pretty much what you do with an AE86. Now, an old associate of mine, he won't speak to me anymore because I think he's under orders from his big daddy... A guy by the name of Paul Cazaro. I hope you're listening, Paul. He loved his AE86s, his Hachirakus, and his honest honest little Japanese stuff. And uh, I remember taking him out for a ride in one about a genuine little panda. You know, it was a beautiful little thing. Maybe 10 years ago, and we thrashed it like a chainsaw. And he just loved it. He thought it was so good. In fact, he used a photo... Of himself taken in the rear view mirror as his Facebook profile or cover photo picture for a while before he was told he wasn't allowed to have Facebook anymore unless he um, was deemed to associate with degenerates oh, like us. But yeah, it can, those casts put a smile on many people's faces and maybe next EpiCast will have a look at some of the similarities and dissimilarities that exist between the original Hachirokuras and the current uh, BRZ uh, 86 Toyota slash or Subaru slash Toyota iteration. There's nothing actually that wrong with it, but it it has missed a couple of the goalposts. But hey, times have changed, and if you want to see the ultimate miss of the goalposts, don't pick on Toyota, Subaru, and 86, and BRZ. Have a look at the Mini versus the original. So thank you for listening today. I hope you really enjoyed that. Don't get yourself an ugly stick, and tune in for more next time.